Genesis 15, verse 1 to 21. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me, since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove, and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain, that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch uh, appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to him, To your descendants I will give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river to the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Amen. Thanks very much uh, for reading that for us. I wonder what one word you would use to sum up your life over the last few weeks. Uh, your own life, your life in Parliament, uh, life around you in the world, a few options might spring to mind, I guess. How about this one? Um, uncertainty. Uncertainty. Barely a day goes by that doesn't raise more questions than it supplies answers. And it may be that in this place in particular you feel that uncertainty acutely. Our reading today gives us a bright glimpse of certainty in the fog of confusion. And it shows us that to find that certainty, we need a single word. We need faith. 
A word that in many ways sums up the entire Christian message. I was last here, um, we looked at chapter 12 at the beginning of September. Since then a lot has happened, hasn't it? Uh, Two new prime ministers, a new king, and a lot has happened in Abraham's life since we met him in chapter 12 as well. Back then he obeys God's call, he leaves his home, he goes to the the promised land. Um, Since then he's travelled to Egypt to escape a famine, he has returned to Canaan to build up his livestock business, he's fought a war against a whole bunch of kings to rescue his nephew. But in this chapter, the pace slows a bit. And instead of lots of different places and lots of different people, we just have one place, two people, Abraham and God, two nights, 36 hours or so, and just one word under the spotlight, faith. You may be here this uh, lunchtime, and you may or may not be a convinced Christian believer. You may feel overwhelmed by uncertainty in your life. Whoever we are, though, Let me encourage us to listen together to what God has to say about faith. We're going to see, first of all, what it offers, uh, the reward that it offers. And secondly, how faith can give us is the only place to go to for real certainty in an uncertain world. The first scene of this story, verses 1 to 6, shows us that when faith receives God's promise, it is rewarded with righteousness. When faith receives God's promise, it's rewarded with with righteousness. Let me read to you verses 1 to 3. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a dream, a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Uh, Abraham fears that all his wealth, everything he's built up, is not going to his son, because he doesn't have one, but to a servant. And he says to God, your promise looks pretty pointless. But God says, you don't need to fear an uncertain future. Verses 4 and 5, the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up the, the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. I don't know if you um, had a camping holiday or anything like that over the summer, but if you haven't, you can imagine the experience, can't you? You leave your tent in the middle of the night, and you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you look up, and from one horizon to the other, the sky is just littered uh, with countless stars. Some bright, some faint, some static, some twinkling, and you just lie on your back in the field, and you try to drink it all in. It's impossible to count them, but that is the challenge that God sets to Abraham. Go on, Abraham, have a go. That is how many children you will have. But is such a promise really believable? Uh, The famous atheist Christopher Hitchens once said, Faith is giving up reason and believing things without evidence. Is that what faith is? Believing things without evidence. Is it just a con? No. Verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. A profound change happens inside Abraham's mind and inside his heart and uncertainty is replaced with certainty. He doesn't believe without evidence. He believes God, believes what God says, he believes his word. It is solid ground beneath Abraham's feet. Abraham believes and what does God do? 
he takes, as it were, credit from his spiritual bank account and he makes an enormous lump sum deposit into Abraham's. Faith receives God's promise and it's rewarded with righteousness. Abraham receives the status of a right relationship with God. Broken relationships are all around us, aren't they? I'm sure we can think of some close to us in our families or amongst our friends. Maybe we can think of some amongst colleagues. We can certainly think of some between nations. But human, humanity's broken relationship with God makes all of those other estrangements just look like child's play in a way. Ever since Adam and Eve made their bid for independence from God, that chasm has existed between human beings and our Creator. But in chapter 12, God promises to bless the world through Abraham. And here he is showing us how he is going to bridge that gap, bridge that chasm. It is faith rewarded by righteousness that bridges the gap. As the Apostle Paul says in the, in the other reading we have on our sheet, let me read a few verses of that for us from verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Verse 21, he was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham had faith. He was totally certain that God would keep his promise, that God would give life to his and his wife's good as dead bodies and bring a child, and not just one child from them, but descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham's faith and God's reward of it are the, a picture of the, the, the type of faith and the reward we receive when we trust in Jesus Christ. You see, as Paul continues, verse 23, the words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. You see, we also must believe that God can give life to a dead body. Not Abraham and Sarah's dead bodies, but the dead body of Jesus Christ. And he did that. He delivered him over to death for our sins, verse 25, Romans 4, and raised him to life for our justification. Jesus faced the estrangement that we deserve to face from God, and then God raised him to life again and gives you and me the gift of Jesus' own righteousness so that we are right with God again. Yesterday obviously was Halloween, but the other date remembered every year on the 31st October is Reformation Day. And uh, one of those great Reformation truths of justification by faith alone. The fact that we cannot do anything to be right with God ourselves. God does it all. We believe his promise. God rewards us with righteousness. As the, the great reformer Martin Luther said, it is faith without good works and prior to good works that takes us to heaven. We come to God through faith alone. So can I just ask you this lunchtime, are you clear on that for yourself? If you're new to Christian things, do you understand that you cannot fix that estrangement with God through your own efforts? Only he can bridge the gap. And if you are a believer already, have you just grasped how wonderfully brilliant that is? Nothing you did, everything he did. There's a world of uncertainty, but this thing is absolutely certain. If we have faith in Christ, God rewards us with his righteousness. 
Well, verse 6 of this chapter is a bit like a mountain peak. It's a, a glorious height. You might think, why do we have to have the rest of the chapter? Why do we have to go back down through all this darkness and gloom that comes in the rest of the chapter? And I think it is because Abraham doesn't just want to know the point of God's promise. He also wants to know the proof. How can he know for sure that God will do these things for him? And so the second half of the chapter teaches us that when faith looks for certainty, it clings to God's covenant. When faith looks for certainty, it clings to God's covenant. You see Abraham's next question. Sovereign lords, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it, possession of the land? And so the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brings these to him, cuts them in halves, arranges them in halves opposite each other. And the birds come down and he drives the, the birds of prey away. What is going on here? Well, I think this bloody scene is symbolic of a once-to-be-repeated, sorry, a, a once-for-all, never-to-be-repeated sacrifice. God is, as it were, signing his name in blood, saying, I am doing a deal with you, Abraham, a covenant, and I'm reassuring you in the midst of darkness and death and doubt. And so he speaks to him in verse 13 and following. He says, yes, you will have children, but they will be slaves for 400 years in a land not their own. And yes, they will be rewarded after that, but only after they come out of that nation, that nation of Egypt, and they punish the people of the Amorites and all these other nations, the wicked people already living there. They, they are used as God's judgment upon those wicked nations. I think it is very striking as we read through that God's wonderful promise of offspring is, is wrapped up in this bloody sacrifice and this darkness and this death. And doesn't that remind us that faith is never easy it clings to God even when it looks like his promises have failed. 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And it recognises as well that sin needs to be dealt with. The sin of the Amorites or the sin of you and me before blessing can be finally received. There's no easy path to faith, but that is the path that God calls us to travel. Not because he says to you and me, conjure up enough faith in yourself but because he says, I have walked that path before you and I will keep my side of the bargain. That's what's happening in verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So it is... God symbolising himself walking along the path marked with blood. And he solemnly swears to give the land to Abraham's offspring. He's saying to him, this covenant, this binding agreement depends on me, not you. And then we fast forward 500 years from this scene and we see God appear again in fire. Not as a smoking brazier, but as a smoking mountain. As the people of Israel have been brought out to Mount Sinai. And God makes a covenant with them. And he says, here are my ten words, my ten commandments by which you must live. But as they discover those words, those commandments are far too high for them, they can never reach the bar. 
and neither can we. If we're looking for certainty, we can't look to our own efforts. We need another covenant, a unilateral assurance from God that he will reward us with his gift of righteousness. And wonderfully, that is the covenant God gives us in Christ. Remember Abraham's question, I don't have any children. And God says you will have many, many descendants. And interestingly, those two words, children and descendants, they're the same word as the word seed. And once again, that promise is picked up for us in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 3. Let me read verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. So Jesus is the great seed, the child, the descendant, the offspring of Abraham. And he comes to guarantee God's promise to bless the world. We can't inherit heaven ourselves by being good enough, by trying as hard as we can to keep God's law. Jesus did it for us. We believe in him. So God saves us by his reward of righteousness. And all he asks of you and me is, take me at my word. Whatever certainty you face in your life today, whether it's in your own private life, whether that's in your work life, whether that's as you look at the world and you just see chaos all around you, can I encourage you this lunchtime to receive God's promise and cling to his covenant? There's no certainty anywhere else, but there is certainty with him. Should we bow our heads and pray? Father, we thank you for your promise that you will reward us with righteousness. Jesus Christ's own perfect righteousness credited to us solely through what he did on the cross and in his life and his death and his resurrection through us. And Lord, we pray that when we're overwhelmed with uncertainty, wherever we find that, wherever we see that, help us to cling to your covenant, your binding promise that is for us through Jesus Christ. Amen.